The Hulk has come up several times in this podcast because to me, the Hulk is a fascinating character. I was having a conversation with Tommy and one of the things that came up, we have Bruce Banner, who is a pasty little white scientist. And he, when he gets angry, turns into the Colossus, the giant green Colossus that is the Hulk. Everyone's okay with that. The question that came up was, if Bruce Banner is the base of the Hulk, if Bruce Banner was sort of retconned, we go back in time and we change the character, to a black man, would the Hulk then be a darker shade of green? The question has no real impact on the Hulk itself, but it's one of those things that makes you wonder, when they were planning the character of the Hulk, how much thought had they put into it? Because you could have the Hulk being a separate entity of sorts, so that it doesn't matter what your base character is, if he's white, black, Asian, Latino, or anything else, when he turns into the Hulk, he turns the exact same shade of green, because that is the secondary state, and it's actually, in a way, unrelated to the base. Or the base is then important. And that means the attributes of Bruce Banner are still somewhere in the Hulk. So... If Bruce Banner is a genius, and we know the Hulk is essentially not very smart, or maybe not thinking, perhaps a less intelligent base would reveal a less intelligent Hulk. Or the intelligence might be inverse. So you have a very dumb base person becoming the Hulk, and the Hulk in that state becomes a much smarter person. Maybe that's some sort of inverse relationship we hadn't thought about. So I started looking into the skin colors of other Hulks, because there are other Hulks. The first one is She-Hulk, but it's the same question with the same answer, because we don't know, as the She-Hulk is also another white person. The problem there is She-Hulk, when she changes, maintains her intelligence. So clearly it's a different kind of Hulk altogether, because the original Hulk, or He-Hulk, transforms and becomes sort of a non-thinking beast that just reacts to things using sort of the lizard part of the brain. She-Hulk is fully sentient and aware and capable and able to use all her faculties. Now, I also know about Grey Hulk and Red Hulk. So I did some deep research, which is me reading Wikipedia for about 10 minutes before I started recording. The Grey Hulk was actually supposed to be the original color of Hulk. That's what Stanley wanted as the original color for the Hulk all the way through. But green was cheaper ink. But we can't count reality as part of the process just because then we don't get to actually have this conversation. So the Grey Hulk is also a Hulk, but he seems to be less strong and maintains his faculties. But it's almost like the Grey Hulk is a separate entity in itself. There's also Red Hulk, but that base is also a human being that is, that is also a Caucasian guy. So the Red Hulk is clearly different because the Red Hulk generates heat. So that the more angry he gets, the hotter he gets. One of the ways Hulk defeated him was making him so angry 
that he actually started burning out of control. So the Red Hulk clearly has a different process involved. So it being a different process, the color system would also be different. So again, we can't really make any sort of definitive conclusions. Tommy did some real research and tried to find other characters that change color when they turn into their sort of superhero form. There's like Iceman and Torch. Now these are characters who take on elemental properties, but they're not actually changing their color. They're becoming a different element. So if I was a Caucasian guy or a black guy or an Asian guy and I turned into a, a flame, I'm going to look the same as a flame. That's pretty much set because fire looks the same regardless, as does ice. But when you are changing your physical state from A to B, you can expect B to stay the same regardless of the base. There's also Colossus who falls into the same thing. He's basically covered in metal. So he's just going to be metal color. So it doesn't really matter what his base color is. Tommy also brought up a character called Sunspot. Now Sunspot also has fire powers and he seems to be a Latino guy. His name's Roberto Bobby da Costa. So I don't know why they put the Bobby in there because Roberto's a way more fun name to say. He's in the X-Men and he turns from a swarthy Latin man uh, to completely black. His skin is completely black. Now, if that is part of the base fire power, I would again feel that the elemental element takes over and your skin is actually irrelevant at that point. So really, unfortunately, we're left in a position where we don't have an answer that's really of any value. All I'm saying is what we need now is an African-American Bruce Banner to be introduced. It doesn't, of course, you change the name. It doesn't have to be Bruce Banner. But we need an African-American to take on the base attributes of the Hulk and introduce a new character, which is the new Hulk. And then the, the artists and the writers who create this character can actually decide, is the color of green of the Hulk connected to the base character? And my feeling, just my personal opinion, is that it should. If you had a character like this, and he's an African-American man, and he becomes the Hulk, the Hulk should be a darker shade. Not significantly, but it should be darker. If you agree or disagree, you can post it at Velocipeter. You can shoot me an email, Velocipodcast, all that stuff. It comes at the end of the podcast. But this is one where I think we need to have a survey. I think this needs to be decided. I need, it need, we need a conclusion. I am completely open to democracy. So if the world disagrees with me, I will accept that response. It is probably your only opportunity to have that happen. I've been playing a fishing game lately. And for some reason, my mind fell into the idea of fishing for a human being. Uh, you put bait in the water, food that fish would find attractive. You put a hook in that that will hook into their mouth that they can't wiggle free from. And then you yank them from their natural environment. The human equivalent of that would be, let's say, putting a hook into a hamburger. And then when someone picks up and bites the hamburger. So when they pick it up, you could feel a little tug on the string. And when they take a bite of it, you yank that string and it would go into the upper palate of their mouth. And then you start yanking on them, pulling them. And pulling us out of our natural environment means pulling them up into the sky. So they're struggling because they want to stay on the ground. But once you really get them tired enough that they can't really struggle anymore and they can't fight back or grab onto anything, like trying to grab onto chairs, tables, door handles, I guess this would have to happen in sort of like the open part of a restaurant. And then you start pulling them up into the sky, reeling them in. And then just like a fish, as you get high enough into the atmosphere, you can't breathe anymore. You start to suffocate and you realize your whole life is over. And I just thought that's a pretty crap way to die. Basically, if you're going to go fishing, when you yank the fish out, if you look at it and it still seems to be kind of alive, you should just go, sorry, man.
Quora question. I'm going to give up and just not do that anymore. I might just start saying Quora question. <sighs> so I'm never going to get away from the America Trump questions. So I might as well just lean into it. This was a particular favorite of recent memory. The question is, I noticed Canada is silent on Trump's achievements. Is this because Canada is surprised that Republicans have achieved so much and are embarrassed Canadians bet on the wrong horse? Which isn't so much a question, I think, as a statement. If I can answer this in all seriousness, the confusion of the question writer is pretty obvious. Because they seem to think that Canadians, or Canada as a country, spends a lot of time thinking about Trump. Now certainly Trump is important to Canada and the world, but it isn't the most important thing. Canada as a unified country doesn't make a lot of statements. In fact, I don't know of Canada ever making a unified statement on any topic. So I think he must be thinking about some Canadians, or maybe the Canadian government. But the Canadian government isn't going to make pro or con statements about the newly elected president of the United States. That's not a sensible diplomatic move, even if the guy's a douchebag. And it, there's another part to it. I don't think Canadians spend as much time thinking about America as clearly this American thinks. There are some other secondary issues, whereas I am a Canadian who spends a lot of time reading the news. I enjoy world politics. I cannot think of significant achievements of President Trump because most of the news about President Trump are the things he's doing wrong or the failures or the kind of policies that a Canadian would find offensive. So they're not silent on his achievements because they're so embarrassed about how much he's achieved. They're silent on his achievements probably because they don't know what his achievements are in the first place. And Canada doesn't bet on the wrong horse in this case. Americans have a political process. There is certainly probably a candidate that Canadians would prefer in general. But even then, Canada being a country full of many people, not of a single mind. Canada as a country is not a hive mind. They don't all have one thought. There were probably some Canadians who were very pro-Trump and some Canadians who were very anti-Trump were looking at liberal candidates. I myself thought Bernie Sanders was one of the better options, even though I can honestly say I didn't know enough about Bernie Sanders or the candidates to really make a strong sense statement. I just know stuff from the news and he sort of echoes a lot of the things that I believe, social equality and whatnot, being Canadian. I am sort of a social Republican. So I have very similar ideas to Bernie Sanders about how to take care of the world and people. When Trump was elected, I cared less about America. That is an honest opinion. When Obama was president, I was actually very interested in what he was doing. Of course, I wasn't involved in any way because again, I'm not American. I'm not part of your political process, but I paid a lot more attention. Now I'm bombarded with negative news and I pay less attention to him and America overall. So I would say since President Trump has taken power, I actually think about America less than I did before. And that is why Canada the single hive mind has not spoken out in unison and apologized because they are so embarrassed that they backed the wrong horse. Here's a really quick Quora question, and it's not a bad one. It's how should you behave when you meet your ex? And if I answer it seriously, you should just be really nice to them. Just whatever pain or 
dissatisfaction you felt in the past, since you're not together anymore, it no longer has an effect on you. You just be nice to them and move on. And the best part of that is they're going to get super pissed that you're nice because it shows that you've moved past them. It shows that you're well adjusted. It also shows what a horrible mistake they made when they let you go. So just be a good, kind person. Maybe even help them out a little bit. Buy them a drink. Buy their friends drinks. They hate that. Be super nice to everyone around them. Just be a great person overall. And if I'm being really honest, you should try to do that all the time anyways. This is an idea I've had a, for a long time, and it came the first time I met an older co-worker. Pre-introduction to this person, I was told by about three or four different people that they were really, really smart, they'd written a book, and they'd gone to Tokyo University. Tokyo University in Japan is the apex of education. It means you are a smart person. Now, I, if you've listened to the podcast, have my doubts that going to a high-level university actually equates to any sort of intelligence. I think systems can be gone through without actually achieving any of the goals of the system. But the reputation precedes itself. So the people who were talking to me were basically building up this person as a character of a great mental giant, someone who just knew more than everyone else. And the man I met was a complete moron. He was disjointed in his thought process. He clearly did not have an organized plan before speaking to the group he was speaking to. It was constant confusion for me as a member of the audience. Now you could say that he was working on such a high level that I didn't understand what was going on. But I would counter that with, if he was really smart, he would be able to communicate with me. I don't claim to have superior intelligence. I don't claim to be dumb. I'm assuming I hit somewhere average, maybe slightly above in most cases, but slightly below in others. Depends on the situation. I've actually brought this up on the podcast before. I think intelligence is mutable depending on the situation. But he was supposed to be talking to us about a singular point, and at no point did I understand what the words coming out of his mouth meant compared to what we were supposed to be understanding. And that is a problem because the intelligence they were ascribing to him now was based on something he'd done many, many years in the past. Let's just say 30 years. I don't know how old the man was. I don't know how old he was when he graduated. But it was a significant amount of time. So 30 years seems about fair. In the interim from his graduation day to now, anything could have happened. He could have fallen down and hit his head. He could have had a slow degradation in his mental faculties. He could have eaten wrong for his whole life and this has diminished his capacity for intelligence. He could have just had an imbalance in the hormones and chemicals in his body, which has slowly impeded him over time. Intelligence is not something that should be taken for granted because intelligence by its very nature is connected to the human brain, which is connected to the human body, which is a mutable force. You will change. I have no idea if I am smarter or dumber than I was two years ago. I have no idea if I will be smarter or dumber two years from now, which means if I claim to be smart today, that claim doesn't hold long term. Since I practice judo, there is a very high risk that I'm going to get hit in the head on a regular basis because I do get hit regularly, just not usually hard enough to actually do any significant damage. But let's just say there's that one day I get hit in the head really hard and all the smarts just get knocked out of me and I become an idiot. Or I get hit in the head, I suffer one of those concussions and I become an angry, violent man. That's one of the consistent results of consistent concussions. If you go back to one of my very early podcasts about amnesia, you'll actually get to hear a story about how I got knocked out and couldn't remember who I was for about 10-15 minutes. 
one of the most terrifying experiences in my life. But for that time, for that time, my intelligence must have been severely reduced. So now when people say someone is smart, I ask for what their basis of that is. If they use a basis, a foundation for their statement that is 10 years in the past for something they managed to do, I actually discard that statement and I wait until to meet the person. If I get a series of things or decisions or actions they've done in our sort of immediate time frame, I am much more likely to accept it as I meet them on the first time that they're probably a smart person. But that's just a thought to keep in the back of your head. When someone claims to be smart, in this case, when someone claims that someone else is smart, when was that intelligence supposed to have facilitated itself? Is it yesterday? Is it recent? Is it based on something they did 10 years ago? Is it based on a distant fact? Because actually all the people I was speaking to, none of them really knew if he actually graduated from that university. They had no proof. It's not like he walks around his diploma and shows it to everybody because I certainly don't walk around and show everyone my diploma. I tell them what my degree is in and they just generally accept it. I could make up, I could just walk around and tell everyone I have a PhD in something and very few people would actually take the time to prove me wrong. The company I work at basically has a minimum standard that you have to have a bachelor's degree. One of my earliest coworkers, as he left the company, got drunk one night and told me that he had just made his degree. Photocopied one, photoshopped it. This was in early days, so Photoshop was still kind of a new concept, and he was able to get away with it. He got a job at a company with a fake degree because no one actually took the time to follow up. They just accepted the scan of this fake degree as an actual thing. So basically what I'm saying is... Don't think anyone is smart until they've actually shown you they're smart. And if someone tells you they're smart, you should doubt that statement. You need to see some of that intelligence in action before you actually accept that that intelligence is real. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. Which I haven't actually looked up, so I gotta do that now.